This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. Today's headlines, cars sliding down the road, millions without power, millions of people affected by the extreme weather that swept across parts of the U.S. yesterday. We have more on the conditions the nation faces. The National Transportation Safety Board reveals its findings on the Ohio train derailment. Find out why they believe the accident was 100% preventable. Yuma Regional Medical Center dealing with financial woes after spending around $26 million caring for illegal immigrants with nobody to foot the bill. We have takeaways from the GOP field hearing in Yuma, Arizona yesterday. Harvey Weinstein sentenced in Los Angeles yesterday. It could have him spending the rest of his life behind bars. We have more in his trial in LA. And what is the power of art? We spoke to an artist who believes firmly in it and asked him how he taps into it. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. It's finally Friday. Today is February 24th, but that's all the good news we have, at least for now. Extreme weather swept across parts of the U.S. yesterday. The winter storm has affected more than 70 million people. It knocked out power for almost a million homes and businesses and left at least one person dead. Here's more on the storm sprawling across the nation. A series of brutal winter storms continued to stretch across the U.S. on Thursday, shutting down roads, schools, and businesses across parts of the country, and cutting power for nearly one million people. Officials say a volunteer firefighter was killed in Michigan after being electrocuted by a downed power line. Okay. That's not the way that you want to go down that hill. No. In Oregon, drivers slid down icy roads. I'm on 26. And almost a foot of snow paralyzed travel in About parts of Portland. Quarter mile, Jefferson Street. Yeah, I keep some um, emergency items in my car. I had a blanket and I had some water and just trying to keep warm thoughts <laughs> and not run my engine too long because, uh, you know, I didn't know how long we would be there. It was crazy, man. There was a tree fall uh, in the middle of the highway, which was crazy. Uh, it was snowing at the same time, you know, there's people walking. No. Still, some people managed to have some fun. They always have like snow again on the news and so we kind of ignored it. And, you know, 11 inches later, here we are. And rare winter conditions hit California on Thursday. Much of the state was under high wind and winter storm warnings. Oh, Families could be seen playing in the snow near San Jose. And snow blanketing roadways in Joshua Tree National Park. San Francisco and even Los Angeles could expect snow up to 8 feet through to Saturday. The National Weather Service says another 18 inches of snow could be expected from Washington State to New England, with some spots expecting wind chills equivalent to minus 40 degrees. Reporting by Shiwen Rong, NTD News. Now for new developments on the toxic train wreck in East Palestine, Ohio. The National Transportation Safety Board released its initial report yesterday. Here's what they think caused the accident. This was 100 percent 
preventable. 100% preventable, says the National Transportation Safety Board. Today, releasing its initial read on what caused the toxic derailment crippling the small town of East Palestine, Ohio. During this deceleration, the wheel bearing failed. Car number 23 derailed. The NTSB is saying it was an overheated wheel bearing on a single rail car that eventually set off a sensor alongside the train tracks, alerting the conductor to stop the train. We have no evidence that the crew did anything wrong. In all, 38 cars derailed, including several transporting chemicals. Surveillance video shows sparks and a bright light coming from underneath the train car in Salem, Ohio, about 20 miles from East Palestine. Three trackside detectors picked up increased heating on the car where the fire eventually started, but it wasn't till a detector indicated heating of 253 degrees Fahrenheit over ambient temperature that the conductor hit the brakes to stop the train. Well, look at the temperature thresholds, which indicate immediate action once an overheated bearing is detected. Again, spacing and temperature are set by the railroads and vary considerably by railroads. That's essentially where the cars were piled up from here to there, right? Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg visited East Palestine today, saying he could have come sooner, but didn't want to disrupt the cleanup or investigative work. We're going to be here day in, day out, year in, year out, making our railroads safer and making sure Norfolk Southern meets its responsibilities. Buttigieg called for stronger federal regulations for trains carrying chemicals through populated areas. The House Judiciary Committee takes their border hearing to the front lines. Congressional lawmakers led by Chairman Jim Jordan were in Yuma, Arizona yesterday. The apprehension of illegal immigrants was, has surged from 40 to over 1,000 per day. And the local hospital is facing mounting financial pressure. And today's Melina Weisskopf has more. Lawmakers attempting to bring D.C. to the border crisis. According to Border Patrol agents, last night there were over 200 folks who crossed the border last night. Uh, we, got to see, we got to see the unfinished wall. Ahead of Thursday's hearing, meeting with leaders at the city's only hospital, which faces a unique challenge in caring for large amounts of people, roughly 300,000 people. That's triple the size of the city's entire population. Migrant patients are receiving free care. They have no ability to pay. We have no ability to bill anyone. We don't know their final destination. We don't know anything about them. We cannot provide completely free care to the residents of our community. So the situation is simply not fair and understandably concerning to them. The hospital now dealing with financial woes after spending around $26 million caring for illegal immigrants, mainly pregnant women with nobody to foot the bill. You're in there some rule that says you can't send a child away from the hospital without a car seat? Correct. CMS rule, we cannot do that. So we're buying all the car seats as we send them on the way and paying for all the health care and you're $26 million in debt, basically. Correct. Democrat ranking member Jerry Nadler and Progressive Caucus Chairwoman Pramilia Jayapal said in a joint statement, instead of focusing on real solutions to a complicated problem, Judiciary Republicans will once again not hear from any federal government witnesses at their hearing, further cementing this hearing as a brazen act of political grandstanding. Democrats dismiss the experiences of these real people that we've had a chance to visit with 
the last 24 hours. People affected by the Biden border crisis and Democrats seem to believe that solutions can only come from bureaucrats in Washington. We actually think they come from the American people. Democrat leader Hakeem Jeffries was in Laredo, Texas last week, a day after McCarthy's border trip. The Democrats say they plan to take their own trip to the border next month. The hearing in Yuma comes as some in the GOP push to impeach DHS Secretary Mayorkas. Has Secretary Mayorkas ever lied to you? Yes. <laughs> and what was the substance of that lie? To specifically address, quote unquote, nine of the 11 Yuma gaps. And, and how many of those gaps have been addressed? To date so far, none. Chairman Jordan and Speaker McCarthy have so far refrained from laying out plans for an official impeachment trial. Melina Weiskopf, NTD News. Only half of the House Judiciary Committee are in Yuma for this on-site hearing. All Democrats on the committee boycotted it. A prominent progressive Democrat is throwing her hat into the presidential ring again. Marianne Williamson confirmed in an interview yesterday she will be running for the Oval Office in 2024. Williamson ran in 2020 and dropped out of the race early. She endorsed Bernie Sanders after dropping out. The self-help author says she plans to launch her campaign officially in Washington on March 4th. The Democrat is the first in her party to confirm a 2024 presidential run. This could put Williamson in a primary against President Biden if he decides to run for re-election. Biden still hasn't made a formal announcement, but is widely expected to soon. And speaking of presidential primary debates, the Republican National Committee is planning its first in Milwaukee. That's going to be in August during its summer meeting. The RNC is still ironing out the criteria for participation. One of the requirements being discussed is for candidates to endorse whoever wins. RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel has stressed the importance of unified support for the nominee in order for the party to succeed. President Biden prepares to meet virtually today with G7 leaders and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. The White House says they'll announce sweeping new sanctions against Russia and those aiding Russia's war effort. The White House has been watching for signs of Beijing offering the Kremlin stronger support for its war in Ukraine. Putin hosted a top Beijing diplomat at the Kremlin on Wednesday and said he was expecting Chinese Communist leader Xi Jinping to visit Moscow in the coming months. The United States will implement sweeping sanctions against key sectors that generate revenue for Putin, go after more Russian banks, Russia's defense and technology industry, and actors in in third-party countries that are attempting to backfill and evade our sanctions. And White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan announced new aid for Ukraine yesterday. He says the U.S. will provide an additional $2 billion in security assistance. Sullivan was also asked about Ukraine's request for F-16 fighter jets. He says from the White House's perspective, it's a question for the long-term defense of Ukraine. And coming up, Harvey Weinstein sentenced to 16 more years in prison. That's in addition to the 23 years he's already serving. We have more on his trial in Los Angeles yesterday. And Canada's federal government has a warning about one of the country's domestic banks. They say it could have ties to the Chinese regime and poses a national security concern. Get the details in just a moment on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. A Los Angeles judge sentenced Harvey Weinstein to 16 more years in prison yesterday 
A jury convicted him on sexual assault charges. The charges stemmed from an assault on a former model and actress in 2013. The woman was identified in court as Jane Doe 1. Weinstein insisted he didn't know her and that she was making it up to get money. The prison term likely amounts to a life sentence for the 70-year-old. He will serve the sentence after completing the 23 years he received in 2020 for a similar conviction in New York. The Los Angeles jury acquitted Weinstein of charges relating to a second alleged victim and failed to reach verdicts on two counts involving two other women. Here's what the woman's attorney had to say after the sentencing. All of my three clients here wanted to be able to uh, give a victim impact statement today at the sentence, uh, at the sentencing hearing. The court denied my request. The issue is, did they have a right under the California Constitution to be able to speak at the sentencing even though there was no conviction for those three victims? In any case, I'm happy about the sentence today. Although my clients were silenced, Defense attorneys argued that some of the women had consensual relations with Weinstein to advance their careers and said the other accounts were fabricated. Weinstein denies any wrongdoing and maintains he's innocent. Weinstein's attorney had asked for him to be allowed to serve the sentence concurrently with his ongoing 23-year term. He's appealing his previous conviction and is eligible for parole in New York in 2039. The U.S. Virgin Islands opened a lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase yesterday. The lawsuit accuses the bank of aiding Jeffrey Epstein in sex trafficking. It's demanding the bank disclose more about its CEO's role in business dealings with Epstein. The lawsuit is seeking unspecified damages. In a filing in Manhattan Federal Court, the U.S. Virgin Islands said J.P. Morgan's wrongful conduct continued until at least August 2019. The bank is said to have agreed to provide documents only through 2014. It wants the documents for the next five years. The lawsuit identified Diamond as a valuable source of information about retaining Epstein as a client, as well as Epstein's referrals of prominent and wealthy potential clients. The filing says the referral relationship continued after Epstein stopped being a client. Diamond has not been accused of wrongdoing. J.P. Morgan is seeking the lawsuit's dismissal. The company did not immediately respond to requests for comment. In Canada, the federal government is warning that a domestic bank could be tied to the Chinese regime. Canada's finance minister says there could be national security concerns. Here are the details. Canadian Finance Minister Christia Freeland reportedly wrote a letter to three founding shareholders of Wealth One Bank of Canada late last year. In it, she said the three founders could be susceptible to coercion by the Chinese regime. Wealth One is a bank based in Toronto catering to Chinese Canadians. It was founded in 2016. Two of the founders have property and investments in China. The Canadian Security Intelligence Service has been investigating the bank for national security reasons since 2021. Freeland also said in her letter that the Canadian government believes the three founders may have been involved in money laundering. She is giving them an opportunity to respond to the government's concerns. Wealth One said in a statement that the three shareholders are no longer directors of the bank and that none of their shareholders have ever had a role in the bank's operations. Experts predict that global air travel will return to pre-pandemic levels in 2023. There is just one problem. The staffing situation at airports and airlines has not fully recovered. 
Airports in North America and Europe have announced they will limit flights during peak hours. Airports in North America and Europe are taking steps to avoid gridlock during the upcoming holiday travel season. The sudden rebound in air travel demand as the pandemic subsided caused chaos at some airports. Despite extensive planning and hiring this year, some airlines and airports are still wrestling with industry staff shortages, including baggage handlers. Some are also dealing with labor disputes. That includes expected strikes in the coming weeks for the UK border force, as well as disruptions in France and Germany from strike action. Germany's Lufthansa said it has cut summer flights by an unspecified amount due to shortages of personnel, like ground handlers, at airports in Frankfurt and Munich. In Britain, Heathrow Airport confirmed ad hoc flights would not be added to peak scheduling times during the summer. And Amsterdam's airport declared it would limit passenger numbers during the May vacation season. Canada is also preparing for a similar problem. Some airports have set hard limits on the number of commercial flights that can arrive or depart in any given hour during peak spring and summer hours. Cost MNS, NTD News. Freshwater fishermen in the southeastern U.S. are having a tough season. The crayfish this year are much smaller than they were hoping for. Let's take a look and find out why. Whether you call them crawfish, crayfish, or crawdads, this freshwater crustacean is a prized menu item in the southeastern United States. But extreme weather in Texas has made this big part of Cajun cuisine smaller in size. The colder weather does affect the catch, yes sir. They're not as active and they're not as hungry. They, they, they go into a uh, dormant kind of a phase. John Reyes, a crawfish farmer in Winnie, Texas, says a rare Arctic cold front that swept through the state last year is impacting his harvest. Well, at this field right here is 100 acres, and I've got about 775 traps in it. And uh, three weeks ago, I was catching two sacks out of it. A week ago, I was catching four sacks out of it. And then today, since it's right after that freeze, I don't expect to catch any more than three or four sacks. In December, temperatures in Winnie dropped to below freezing, which can make crawfish lethargic, meaning they don't eat and don't grow. What normally doesn't freeze is the coast. Usually, if you look back at climate records, about every 10 to 12 years, we'll get a freeze at the coast. We've had two major freezes that have been prolonged for days in two years apart, and that is completely unusual. So it's not just disrupting crawfish, it's disrupting the red drum production, hybrid striped bass production, all these aquaculture species that are growing down there. Farmers like Reyes get an early start each year due to high demand as events like the Super Bowl and Mardi Gras kick off the crawfish season. At the Crawfish Cafe in Houston, customer Shanisha Brooks detected the disparity. The only difference I would say is like the size. So like right now they're pretty small, but like in the later part of the season they're going to be really big. Fishermen are also hoping for a change because smaller crawfish means working harder for less. Up next, what is the power of art? We spoke to an artist who believes firmly in it and asked him how he taps into it. Find out more in just a minute.
Welcome back. Have you ever thought about the power of a good piece of artwork? We spoke to an artist who told us why he thinks it's important for an artist to paint with the right intentions and why he always tries to stay fully aware of his feelings and thoughts while finishing a piece of art. Looking at this artwork, one would never think that the artist was once an atheist. Every piece now has a heavenly theme. There are sometimes uh, uh, beautiful scenes uh, that just uh, come into my mind and uh, I, I, I want to, uh, to bring, bring them into the real life. The artist, Lok Min Yong, has been drawn to Renaissance artwork ever since he went to high school. Although he didn't believe in a higher power then, the Madonna Lita by Leonardo da Vinci fascinated him and he's always found something attractive in the beauty of the divine. Now he makes traditional and universal values his inspiration. One of his most famous paintings is called Unmoved. It shows a determined little girl who sits unmoved amid imminent danger. Young painted her as a symbol of the untapped strength and all harmonizing benevolence in people if the heart can remain unmoved in life's adversities. I hope my paintings uh, will help uh, people to live a uh, uh, um, compassionate life. Having found faith, he's a firm believer that art has the power to inspire others and having a calm and compassionate attitude has become the foundation of every one of his creations. The most important thing in art is uh, the spirit. Uh, spirit. Uh, because well, when you have uh, many talks, many good, good talks in your mind, uh, and you make a painting, uh, uh, this painting will improve improve and um, will help help to improve uh, the other others life after having discovered the spiritual practice Falun Gong he's striving to live a virtuous life he hopes his work can help others find their innate kindness and connection with the divine the artist says he constantly tries to stay aware of his motivations when painting but when you uh, uh, think something bad thing why you making uh, artwork, yeah. And uh, the painting will, the painting will give the bad power. It's not just that. He says joy gained from selfishness is very short-lived. And if those thoughts guide him in his paintings, he will soon feel uninspired. I, I don't create the painting. Uh, I think I don't create the painting. The painting come to me and, and, and I can see the full painting. And for him, he says his belief in the divine is what gives him inspiration. Oh, you know, Evelyn, that artwork is so inspiring and it really gives a lot of hope as just to how wonderful things can be in a higher plane, you know, with the beautiful scenery and those pure beings there. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And you know how people say great art comes from great pain? I always hear that, but I don't necessarily believe that because when what this guy does is also, I think it just makes you happy to look at it, right? I think great art can also come from a positive mindset and maybe just elevating yourself from that painful moment. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Adventurous photographers travel to far-flung corners of the world to capture incredible moments of Mother Nature. The cream of the crop have been revealed and crowned National Geographic's Pictures of the Year. 
Take a look at this stunning set of wildlife photographs that National Geographic have crowned 2022's Best of the Best. Photographers the world over submitted works to Nat Geo's Pictures of the Year contest, and the slate of finalists is a medley of amazing landscapes, such as this aerial and seemingly arterial look at a branching California marshland, peaks at Mother Nature at her most serene, and most extreme and revealing looks at both human and animal civilizations and where they impressively and inexplicably intersect. But the overall grand prize winner was an incredible mid-flight moment, capturing a convocation of majestic bald eagles jockeying for prime perch position near an Alaskan shoreline. You can view the full suite of finalists and other submissions by visiting natgeo.com slash winner. Uh, speaking of artistic statements, is that what this weird giant iron ball found on a Japanese beach is? That was likely one of the many questions on onlookers' minds after the mysterious metal sphere inexplicably washed ashore near Hamamatsu City. Other questions likely included, where did it come from? Is there something inside it? And will it blow up? Well, after examining the object, officials confirmed that the bizarre ball is hollow and doesn't pose a threat, but still couldn't pin down exactly what it is or where it came from. The heavy metal mystery continues. Hmm, interesting. The photos, though, I really enjoy. I always enjoy looking at them. I think they're amazing. Yeah, National Geographic has some good stuff. I really like the colors, you know, like from the penguins to the white snow and everything. Yeah, I enjoyed that. All right, what a great way to end this program today. The week, in fact. We'd love to hear from you before you go. You can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning at ntd.com. Shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.